Welcome to Divorce TV and today we have an expert interview, it's pre-recorded with our own Karen Baru, shared story with uh, also uh, the same person who's going to do our healing. So we get an extra special treat which is the EFT coach Liz Hancock. But first we're going to check out what's happening in the divorce news. Yahoo Life talks about Rylan who broke down at work after divorce. It says, should we all get compassionate leave for breakups? That's a good question. So when a close family member or partner dies, it's acknowledged to be life-changing. The bereaved are routinely, routinely offered time off work to help them recover emotionally. And recently there have even been calls for employers to offer the same when a beloved pet dies. But when it comes to life-changing trauma of breakup and divorce, most companies simply expect employees to put on a happy face and keep busy through the heartbreak. This week it was revealed that much-loved presenter Ryland Clark Neal was forced to take time off from his TV and radio work after a painful breakup with Dan, his husband of six years in July. We spoke about this last week, but there's been a new development. After crying during a song he was playing on his Radio 2 show, BBC bosses offered him time away. Ryland's one of the BBC's favourite stars, an insider said. When he returned to work, everyone supported him, but when he broke down, people were concerned he'd come back too fast. Ryland was in agreement and took time away. He has recently returned seemingly happier. Most of us, however, are not in a position to do that. So while some might go to therapy and confide in friends, most drag themselves out of their newly empty bed and head for the desk, no matter how miserable and bereft they may feel. So Ryland took time out and now feels better. But are we expecting too much of ourselves in the midst of emotional trauma? Psychotherapist Rachel Turner says, she says, healing after a significant event is very much an individual thing. One person might use distraction as a coping style. So going back to work might be the best and most helpful approach for dealing with their situation. The brain takes approximately 12 weeks to process a significant event, she adds. So someone else might need to take some time to process the trauma and consequently might find returning to work overwhelmingly and emotionally impossible. So my question is, is, is if the BBC had a separating parents policy, for example, that was in place, something I'm developing at the moment with an HR colleague, Paul Ryland may not have ended up sobbing on his radio show before his employers took action and demonstrated their duty of care. I'm not saying they didn't try before they let him have time off, but it, it does seem a bit random. And I think we do need to take more care of people when they're going through the trauma of breakup. And you imagine if there were children involved, it'd be even more traumatic for him. Kim Kardashian. Here we go. X Ray J is asking for joint custody over both kids after filing for divorce from Princess Love for the third time. Uh, so it's King. Yes, it's King. Start that again. King Kardashian's ex Ray J. That's what makes him famous, apparently, because he's her ex. But he's filing for divorce from Princess Love for the third time, and he says there is a prenup. They refer to him again, um, that he is Kim Kardashian's ex. That is obviously his own, clearly his identity. But Ray J is asking for joint custody over both of his children amid filing for divorce from Princess Love. 
Um, this is the third time he's done that, and he's claiming there is this prenup. So the 40-year-old crooner, named, uh, his real name is Ray Norwood, is hoping to get joint legal and physical custody of daughter Melody 3 and son Epic 1, according to the divorce petition obtained by TMZ on Tuesday. In the legal documents, he also revealed that there is a prenup in place, which the publication says likely explains why he checked the box to terminate the court's ability to award spousal support um, to either himself or the 37-year-old reality star. Her fourth name, by the way, is Princess Filipina Love Norwood. As for the reason why they split, Ray J used the celeb favourite irreconcilable differences. most of our chosen one to be honest in the UK it's uh, unreasonable behavior it's just the the least horrible thing to say about someone when you're divorcing them so meanwhile weeks ago his ex princess love was approached at LAX airport in Los Angeles when she said she had never been better according to TMZ she also seemed upbeat about her singer husband's health despite him being hospitalized for nearly a week for pneumonia at the time the singer was finally released from the hospital last week after spending more than a week there. Princess Love added that she was just focused on working right now, rather than working on reviving her relationship with Ray J. She also said she was honed in on taking care of my kids, as she said, as she loaded them into the SUV. They're my focus, she said sweetly, according to the article. Asked whether she would keep Ray J's last name Norwood as part of her legal name, she simply replied, I'm Princess Love. I've always been Princess Love. Her positive updated uh, about Ray. Sorry, start again. Her positive update about Ray J's condition comes just days after he used his downtime in the hospital to file for divorce from her. The rapper and his ex have been married since 2016, though his mark. This marks the third time divorce papers have been filed because he can't make up his mind. Princess first filed for divorce in May 2020, months after the couple got into a massive fight in Las Vegas. It was reported that they had been living separately since February 2020, but they reconciled that summer amid the COVID-19 quarantine. It's nice that they did it that way around. Most people it was the other way around. Ray J filed for divorce, however, in September, citing irreconcilable differences, also asking the judge to uphold their prenuptial agreement. He also asked the judge to grant him joint custody of their children, three-year-old Melody and one-year-old Epic. After the September filing, they reconciled again, this time moving their family to Florida. Ray J has been battling pneumonia in a Miami hospital since Saturday and was initially placed in the COVID wing because he assumed he had the virus. While he tested negative for COVID numerous times, his pneumonia was so bad it was thought he may even die from it at one point. Given his health struggles, the fact that he's moving forward with divorce while fighting for his life in the hospital could indicate that the relationship is finally over this time. Ray J released his debut album in 1997, but he became a household name a decade later when a sex tape he made with then-girlfriend Kim Kardashian was made public. The entertainer also starred in TV shows such as Love and Hip Hop and Celebrity Big Brother and movies including Sharknado 3 and Slasher Party. It must be quite confusing uh, for the children. Let me know in the comments if you think so. The three divorce petitions, um, maybe it would be good for them to have taken some time to work with a life coach, maybe uh, get some clarity. Your kids need stability, not emotional chaos. And finally, 
Bang Showbiz talks about Sarah Gilbert and Linda Perry who finalise their divorce. So the 46-year-old former The Talk co-host and the 56-year-old singer have officially ended their marriage nearly two years after they split and have also been granted joint legal custody of their six-year-old son Rhodes. A partial judgment was filed on the 15th of October and in the court the documents obtained by US Weekly it was revealed that the pair mediated great they get gold stars and reached the decision to not pay child support to each other. The exes also reached an agreement regarding their finances and assets. The Connors actress, who has two older children, Levi 17 and Sawyer 14, with former partner Ali Alder, Adler, sorry, submitted a stipulated judgment package to the court which featured the terms she and the four non-blonde singer had agreed on. Before they split, their split could be officially recognised by law. A judge needed to sign off on the settlement. Sarah and Linda's split came at a time of big changes for the Roseanne actress because she also decided to quit the talk show, The Talk. She explained, This is something I have been struggling with for a while and going back and forth, but I've decided it's time for me to leave the show. I loved it and felt totally empowered, but also, if I'm being honest about it, I think my life was slightly out of balance. I wasn't able to spend as much time with my three kids as I'd like or time for myself. And as I've continued on, I'm starting to develop more things to produce and I'm having opportunities to act and feeling like I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I'm sure there's many parents out there who feel like they don't know how they're going to do it all. Hello, I'm going to now introduce you to Karen Baru. Karen is a psychotherapist. She's going to tell us a little bit more about herself. So welcome, Karen. I'm now bringing you into view. Thank you. I'm Karen Baru, qualified psychotherapist, um, trained and licensed in the USA, been in the UK for the last 20 years, um, part of the BACP. And one of my specialties in my practice is working with families of all sorts. Um, and specializing in couples and relationships and how how to help couples resolve the issues of bringing together either blended families or conflicting marriage families or whatever the the system that needs to change within families are. So that really is my passion. And I guess watching people change the way they live their lives is, for me, an extremely rewarding part of what I do. There's a very famous researcher called Judith Wallerstein, who's one of the most respected divorce researchers in the world, actually. And about five years ago, she published a book where she had followed children of divorce for 30 years, and um, some of them even longer, and had then interviewed them um, all through the stages of the divorce and the impact that the divorce had on them. And I guess the best conclusion from this is that it is not the divorce that hurts children. It is the war between the parents. And one of my greatest passions is to work with the couple, to work out the anger, the loss, the feeling around letting go of a dream so that they have a mutual slate to co-parent their children so that their children don't end up growing up in a war zone because it is that war zone that damages the children. So one of my greatest missions with couples of any stages is, you know, sometimes even married couples who warring all the time, they're actually living like divorced couples within a marriage 
So, and often what I do see is people will get divorced and ten, I've had couples who've come to me 10 years after their divorce and they're still basically in the marriage. They're just living in separate homes as separate partners. But when it comes to dealing with each other and the war that the children are involved in, because the children become the target of the war, and they're almost living the exact same as they were in the marriage. And they get quite shocked when I say that to them. But then we start to unpack the war. So the best present any divorcing or conflicting relationship can give to their children is to work out their own anger on their own without their children and help the children grow up in an environment that's safe emotionally for them. You brought your children into the world and it is your responsibility to provide a safe, loving environment for your children where they don't have to choose between a mommy and a daddy. They don't have to choose between who's more important and integrating other partners because the smaller the war, the better integrated the other partners are as well. Thank you, Karen. I wanted to ask specifically about the the challenges of co-parenting. So when you've got other partners on the scene, because that does seem to be a, a huge issue. What are the kind of mistakes, common mistakes people make that you could help um, help them avoid, particularly also helping people to understand things from the child's point of view? So, you know, it's very interesting that co-parenting because in mar- I'm going to start with married couples. Most married couples do not work on the same page in parenting. So no matter how good your relationship is, you will always have conflict about what kind of parenting values, parenting systems, because it's all learned from your family of origin. So right away in the marriage, you're starting off with two parents who probably think quite differently. The issue is that when they disagree, they're living in the same house. So they can go to each other and say, listen, did you tell did you tell Sally she can go to a concert by herself with her friends? Yeah, well, I didn't think it was a big deal. So they can work it out and work through the conflict, sometimes maybe not, and come to sort of some kind of resolution because they're living in the house and they can pull the, the child or the teenager or whatever it is in and have a family discussion. The problem with co-parenting, with parents who live in different homes, and there's a huge difference in this, in parents who are warring and parents who aren't warring. The number one rule I set up with every single couple that I work with, whether they're warring or not, is no decisions are made without consulting the other parent. Because children are genius at splitting. So if the child asks mommy for something and mommy says no and then when they go to daddy daddy says yes the child then very quickly learns that they've established quite a good system i mean i've actually once parents started talking to each other found that kids who were getting double pocket money double presents um double things neither one of the parents ever bothered to check with the other one if they were actually getting that so the number one rule whether you hate each other love each other or tolerate each other is for the sake of your child if you can set up and it does, it, luckily today we don't have to talk to each other we've got email text messaging and as long as it's not abusive because sometimes parents will use the co-parenting as a war game to um, hurt the other one or have power over the other one and then it, the co-parenting actually becomes destructive so one of the things that needs to take place is in couples who aren't warring there's no reason to not send each other a message about 
you know, things that, ch that the child asks for or the value systems or how they want to co-parent together. So it's much easier to co-parent in a non-warring situation because you can have a meeting, you can sit down and discuss it, big things together. With warring couples, if if there is a rule that you only discuss very one, like a one-liner, you know, is does Sally have piano lesson today? Yeah, it's a one-liner because Sally's told me she doesn't have to go, but of course Sally has to go and the mother's paid for it, but Sally's told dad there is no piano lesson, which then becomes a massive explosion because the system is so fragile. So the goal of co-parenting is to create a safety net where children can feel safe coming from both homes and both parents. Because I'm a systemic therapist, I work with the system. So the majority of work that I do is with the adults. Although I will have family meetings on behalf of the children with the adults to find out what the issues are. So I will bring the children in with a session with the adults really to find out what the child thinks and then I'll often refer the children to somebody else because they don't want to see the same therapist as their parents. Um, but when I do a, a family meeting together, the main issue that the children have is that they don't know who to trust and believe. Because if parents are fighting and warring and everybody's playing, and I'm talking about the warring parents, not necessarily the, the ones who are okay working together, but the, but the non-working together, the child feels like they're always in the middle. So even something simply like they have a birthday party and it's the other parent's weekend and they're too scared to ask the other parent and the mother doesn't want to ask the father and then the child always feels like they're drowning in the middle. And so the most important responsibility for the adults is to look at the children's needs, not what your need is, but what is my child need? My child needs a system whereby they can talk to the one parent and then talk to the other parent and not feel like it's a competition between who gets to say yes or no. And that's really what really destroys children. So if the parents can find some mechanism whereby the child needs come above their needs, the system can potentially calm down particularly referring to longer term studies, what actually happens to children when the parents continue to war and don't manage to sort all of that out? Well, I have a whole caseload of those 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds. They land up divorced. They land up not trusting relationships. They land up not settling down, um, believing that love can be calm and quiet. They grow up believing that love is war. And then they will replicate that in their future relationships where they will end up in warring relationships and getting divorced is an option because they haven't actually seen what it feels like to be in a safe marriage. Even if one of the, or both of the partners get remarried in a less conflictual relationship, if their primary family, you know, the parents are continuing to war, the message to the child is, that relationships are war. You know, so I often get people in their 50s who've been married three or four times, and when I do their family of origin history, they'll tell me that their parents hated each other, got divorced, lived in separate houses, had a war their whole lives. So they don't feel safe that a marriage is something that's a loving, warm, holding space. It's actually a scary thing that's gonna implode at any minute. 
So it really is vital to get it right. But of course, we're all human. We all mess up as parents at the best of times. You see, here's the hope. The hope is that children forgive very quickly and that every single child wants to have a happy mommy and daddy, no matter how old they are. And I've had 30, 40 year olds tell me that. So if if parents realize that let's say you have been warring and had a really toxic relationship with your ex, it's never ever too late to stop it. Because the child, as soon as they see the shift, it's what they've always wanted. So they'll test it in the beginning to make sure it's real. But as soon as they feel it is real, they very quickly shift into a healthier system of a non-warring relationship. So the hope for parents is that it's never too late to stop the war. Wow. Uh, imagine growing up thinking that love is war. And that's what we do to our children when we completely mess up our co-parenting relationship. That, as you probably could tell, was a pre-recorded um, interview with the amazing Karen Baru. If you're listening to that and thinking, I want to talk to Karen, download the free Best Way to Divorce app, join the secret divorce group, support group, and just ask me and I'll give you an introduction. And we've sadly come to the end because I love these. This is the Children's uh, Bill of Rights. And this is number 10, uh, Robert Emery, PhD. He wrote this as Professor of Psychology at the University of Virginia. And number 10 of the Children's Bill of Rights is the right to be a kid. And the way you will all have your own ways of interpreting that, but mine is it's not when you're you're looking after the kids it's your weekend it's not just about getting the homework done so you don't let the side down or sort of vigilante pressured parenting kind of overly village sorry not vigilante overly vigilant parenting trying to compensate all the time this it's really easy to fall into that trap and to to forget that they're children and there needs to be just time to play and that's hard to just sit and enjoy that. And that's a gift they can give to us if we can just, I was rubbish at this, but to just let go and enjoy them and the time with them and let them be children and don't load all the pressures of the world on them just because you're freaking out and worried about money or worried about the future. So uh, the hard part, of course, as with most things in life, it's it's not knowing what to do. The hard part is doing it. But allow the children the right to be children put it on the fridge we're now preparing for our shared story so my my guest uh, came in a very short notice and uh, and she's also going to be giving us a healing later so it's great to be able to find out a little bit more about her own story And welcome Liz Hancock. Thank you so much for uh, stepping into the shared story slot. Um, so share your story. You've, you've got something personal to share, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it's, I could share client stories, but I think, you know, there's so much power in sort of my own story yeah. as to why I do what I do now. So um, yeah, should I just, should I just fire away just or? Shoot, shoot. Okay, cool. So I've been, sorry, I've got a light shining on me. 
it's not ideal. Um, I've been banned from the kitchen because the kids are making their own dinner. So, <laughs> a bit scary. <laughs> I might have to rush off at any moment to, like, if, with, if, the, with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> if we see any smoke coming in, I will. I will tell you. <laughs> so, um, so I separated three and a half years ago. Got divorced two and a half years ago. Um, and I want to talk about toxic money and finances around divorce. So I think the two main things with divorce and separation are obviously what happens to the kids, what happens to the house, which is part of the finances. And um, the kids was an easy one because I was the full-time mum. My husband worked in the city, very long hours. Everything fell to me anyway, so I knew nothing was much was going to change. Um, he had them alternate weekends. He manages to do a Wednesday night as well because he, he used to finish early before we were working from home and stuff. Um, but when it came to the finances, um, it was just so traumatic. There was so much arguing and so much just like a realization of, oh my God, we're not at all where I thought we were financially. Um, and it was just part of this pattern of me burying my head in the sand, most of our relationship. Um, he obviously earned more money than me. He'd, um, he carried on working, I'd done my business, but then I downsized it again. And, you know, so he was the consistent earner. He was quite a decent earner. He had invested in property. Um, I always asked, how on earth are we going to pay this mortgage off? I just don't get it. And it was all this story about, well, you buy this money and you, you, you buy these properties and then you remortgage them and you use that money as this. I never got it, but I just trusted him. Looking back, there was a big part of me that didn't trust him, else why would I have kept on asking him? And I was always trying to say, I need you to write everything down so that if anything happens to you, I know what we've got. I mean, we got so far as doing our will, that was it really. Um, and his property partner is one of the um, will people. I can't remember what that's called. Um, you know, the person that does the wills with you. So, a, will, um, a will expert. Yes, yes. Like the executor. <laughs> executor, the executor yes. so, um, so, so I was told we had this £2 million property portfolio. Um, we did have an expensive house, but it was highly mortgaged. Um, and um, when it came to actually doing the sums, it was a completely different story. Um, the the property was worth 250 grand, um, apparently. Um, he included in my settlement figure, it was all what he came up with and told me, this is what you're gonna get. Um, he included my engagement ring and a, um, a eternity ring he'd given me. He valued those at 15 grand. And, um, and, and I know for some people are probably thinking, well, lucky you, that's a decent amount. But compared to what I thought I was going to get, um, and I didn't divorce him for his money, I didn't marry him for his money, but it was just such a shock. And just to know that we weren't where we were, and it wasn't even the finances, it was the betrayal and the fact that I knew something was wrong, but I had just ignored it. I'd ignored my intuition, I'd ignored, you know, I trusted him. I just felt really stupid and really disempowered and the more women I talked to that had been through this, the more people I found out that this has happened to. And it just, I just felt dumb. I felt like a stupid idiot girl who hadn't listened to anything she'd been taught about independence and financial empowerment, even though I was doing this with my clients for their businesses. Um, so I was a business coach, but I was doing money mindset for business and success. So I was really into money empowerment and money mindset, and it, it really worked. 
So when I went through all of this, it was pretty devastating. And um, and in the end, and it was a fight. You know, he used to threaten me. And who knows, he might even watch this, but all I'm speaking is the truth. So, you know, I, he said to me, you better be nice to me else I won't pay you. And when I moved, it was like, well, I'm still paying, I'm still paying your, your new mortgage because it's my money that's paying for it. You know, just that pure abuse, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I've since learned very, very recently, um, police have told me through other discussions with them, that financial abuse and emotional abuse is actually illegal. Not supposed to do it. So if I'd wanted to, I could have actually possibly done something about it. But I had no idea. And I don't even know if it was then because that's coming quite recently. Um, but basically, it was just awful. And and I just suddenly thought all these money processes that I do for my business and with my clients for their businesses, can I tweak them and reapply them to this situation? Um, so that's what I did. I used myself as a guinea pig and um, and it was amazing. And it wasn't, even though it's money mindset, just like in business, it's usually about not wanting to put yourself out there and being worried about doing Facebook lives or you know what are people are gonna say about me, charging lots of money. Um, it was very similar. It wasn't necessarily about the money. It was about the betrayal and the hurt and the sadness and the the guilt and the shame, loads of shame. And like, oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to give my kids everything that I thought I'd be able to give them. I'm not gonna be able to go on nice holidays because let's face it, we all love our holidays. Um, just so much fear. And, and also like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to work for the rest of my life. Um, which actually at one point, I didn't have to do that. So. You know, and then afterwards, this was a huge thing that I needed. This was actually the the catalyst that made me think I need to use these processes on where I am now. Um, in the new year, when I had moved, moved to a gorgeous new house, um, downsized, but actually the house is nicer than the old house because the old house was supposed to be knocked down and rebuilt. This one doesn't need knocking down. Um, I, I had a conversation with my dad because um, my sisters had been a bit bitchy and I was quite obsessed about it and my dad explained that they're all really angry because my house was worth so much more than theirs and I'd fallen on my feet like I always do and um, just that I mean I can even even now I can still feel mm. it a bit emotionally like just talk about kicking you know why why uh, and you, the way I'm talking you think I, I'm a millionaire I'm really not um, lot of my some of my family live in Cumbria in houses that don't cost very much so there is a disparity there but there's also disparity in the way I've lived my life and the money I've earned and how hard I've worked so to me it just felt so unfair and um and I just found like it was almost like magic I had all these clients coming to me suddenly because I was very much relying on referrals back then um that needed help in their relationship or after their relationship and it was a lot of the people still in relationships. It was around um, not necessarily abuse, but financial disempowerment, not knowing, keeping things from them. Should I stay? Should I go? What if I do? What if I don't? All those kinds of things. And um, and for some people that were out of the relationship, I did a I did a talk similar to this one, but a bit longer with the natural process in it um, for for a women's group, and got a lot of clients through that. And um, just so much disempowerment, like divorces that had happened, but they were still fighting, even though they'd had court settlements and um, you know everything had been agreed properly. One lady was, um, she was an ex-lawyer, and you just think, my God, how, how, and she said it, how do I, I'm a clever person, how have I got myself into this mess? I've got three kids, and I'm reliant on him, 
And he's with a new wife saying, oh, well, she, I love her. She's a career girl. She's never going to give up work like you did. And like looking down on her and, um, and because she gave up her work. But that's what, she, that's what they agreed to do. So just this whole thing. I was talking to a guy yesterday who was moaning about his wife because she won't go back to work full time. They're separating. And, um, and I just said, you know, what was the agreement when you first had the children? Well, that's changed now. Yeah, but she still wants to look after them. <laughs> it's a classic. I love that word. I, I hear that and I say, have you got children? Yeah. How old are they? They'll be like two and four. <laughs> okay, well, who, ha, who's going to look after them? Yeah. Then? It's just, uh, it, it, people go a bit mad with divorce. But I mean, I, I remember that feeling stupid moment myself enormously because um, I had no idea that there were about, uh, it was about £40,000 of debt. I was a, just didn't know and I trust it was trust it was not you know not opening the envelopes that had his name on and just not having any idea at all Um, and you do feel stupid but what my just to finish off on this shared story what was it that helped you because the the psychological side is massive it's the, Mm. the the you're you're knocked to the ground emotionally psychologically You've got family members who perhaps haven't been through a divorce with children, so they really don't understand, bless them, <laughs> what they... That no, 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 there is no really falling on your feet. It's more like survival. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It, they don't understand that. So, but, so what were the tools that you used? So the main tool I used, hence why I call, my, my, I call myself the EFT coach, was EFT, EFT tapping. EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Transformation. Emotional freedom technique sorry um but i've also coined the phrase epic fundamental transformation because every time i've used these processes with the eft and and the coaching i do on myself and other people it has been pretty epic it's been massively like fundamental to who i am as a person and to my future and to who i am as a mother how i am as a mother and um and yeah, just just so transformational. So for me, I have to say it was EFT, and that enabled me to build up my resilience to be able to have the fight. We managed to stay out of court, which saved us thousands. Yay! Well done. Yes. Um, <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> yeah, and and we used to do Zoom calls because I was like, I'm not having a face to face conversation with you. I wanted to record everything because he was vile, and I thought mm. if you ever get really nasty. Not that I would do anything with them, but it just felt like I had a little bit more control then. I don't know, maybe I threatened to send him to his mum or something. I, th- I think it's just but... that people behave better when they know there's some kind of a recording going on. It yeah. just encourages them to be yeah. uh, their better selves, shall we say. Mm. So that's a really good idea. I, th- I think that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. So anyone having these conversations, I would say if you if you can access a therapist or a divorce coach or somebody like me, absolutely brilliant it's not just the legal side that you need help with or mediation or whatever you need someone to help your mind and to help you cope with it because it is so traumatic and um an eft is so good at treating trauma and um and a lot of this will be um related to probably stuff that went on with your childhood well how are my parents going to judge me i had all the judgment with my sisters as well as my dad um and you know so it's just so so important but it really, that's a really good point, Susie. Like the first, the most easy thing you can do, don't sit down around your kitchen table while the kids are in bed because it's likely the kids will wake up with you shouting. I used to sit in my car while my daughter played hockey. We'd have a Zoom meeting. I'd record it. 
and then I could listen to it again and make sure I'd got everything right. We were constantly exchanging spreadsheets and um, yeah, just, just have someone in your corner that is telling you that you can do this and that you don't need to be bullied into saying yes. There's no rush. Divorce can take as long, obviously we want it over and done with, but it can take as long as you need it to take. And, um, and just hold your head up high because you're doing the best thing for yourself, especially if you've got children. And just recognising that, that that financial bullying is actually abuse and, uh, yeah. and, and being able to, to name it and then to start putting the kind of boundaries like recording conversation. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you have to necessarily go charging off to court. So I've got a divorce financial workshop in November, a UK one, and it's so it's frighteningly common the number of people who are in this situation so really yeah. getting your uh, understanding the figures getting your confidence up as well as keeping your head straight is absolutely key so thank you so much for sharing your story okay. and uh, and i shall see you shortly for the healing yes lovely thanks everyone so just before we prepare for the healing, uh, yeah, just on that note, if you're in the best way to divorce dot online, we'll take you straight to the best way to divorce app on any phone. And we've got the divorce workshops tile in there. You'll see that there is um, the November the 25th, I think it is coming up very, very soon. And that's a one of our traditional divorce financial workshops. We have financial experts, financial coaches, we have uh, all kinds of, of healing and emotional psychological support as well. So come along and get empowered if you're at any stage of the divorce process, especially if you'd like to make sure that you're going to yeah, try and keep it out of court if you possibly can. So she's back again deja vu so we're gonna just before i let you loose on everybody um perhaps you could just say a little bit about what you're going to be doing and let me warn you this is going out on itunes and local forest row wild heart radio so if you can verbalize what you're doing especially and also if people want to shut their eyes then as well they'll know what you're doing that would be really good so otherwise we'll a whole load of people will be completely confused <laughs> and won't be able to join in which would be a terrible shame sure brilliant okay thanks Susie so um, I'm going to be doing what's called EFT tapping emotional freedom technique or tapping and it's literally just tapping on the acupressure points so um, I'm glad you said what you just said because I wouldn't have said the points because I thought everyone's watching me but um, it's literally just tapping on it starts off and I will say the points as I go around the, um, the start of the eyebrow and you tap with two or three fingers not really you don't want to hurt yourself but you want to be able to feel it if you've got glasses on, you might need to take them off. Um, so the start of the eyebrow, the outside of the eye, where the eyebrow ends really, under the eye, which might be a bit tender for some, so you might want to do that one a bit lightly, um, under the nose, on the chin, um, on the collarbone, which actually isn't the collarbone, um, just where your collarbone is, it's just a little bit lower than that. And then the top of the head, ideally the crown, but as long as you get these places partly right, and if you get lost, don't worry, just carry on. You can't do it wrong. And basically these are acupressure points that would be used in acupuncture. Um, and they're all related to different meridians and part of your energy system. I won't go in all, into all the science, but the way I like to explain it, if you think about your energy system as being kind of this extra layer around your body, um, that 
it's just like your arteries pumping blood, it's just pumping energy around you. And if you have lots of trauma in your life, if you have um, illness or, or grief or, you know, ter- we all have crap that happens. Um, and it doesn't really matter how big or how small that is. You don't need to measure it against other people because the body registers trauma as trauma. Obviously, some things are going to be far more upsetting than others, but also what people can cope with varies as well. So there's no measurement, there's no like comparison, it's what it is for you. And um, so if you have these things happen, you're going to get a blockage or a kink in your, um, you know, like a hose pipe gets a kink and it can't go. Um, your energy system is like that. So we need to straighten the kinks out, release the blockages and, um, and just let everything flow freely. So this is literally reducing the cortisol in your brain, um, reducing all the stress hormones that's going to um, give you those endorphins, make you feel much better. Um, when we're in a stress state and we're in fight or flight or freeze mode, and it might be a very um, subtle version of that, you might not even realize it's happening, but you might feel hot or sweaty or palpitations, whatever it is, you might not be sleeping well, all those things. Um, the, the prefrontal cortex gets closed down and the amygdala, can't remember where exactly is, but um, the amygdala gets triggered and that pumps the stress hormones through your body. So we want to lower those stress hormones. And when we do that, the prefrontal cortex, which is the problem side of your brain, fires up again. So that means that you can be problem solving, you can be logical, you can act from a more measured space, not just from an emotional space when you're doing these negotiations or having these arguments let's be honest that's what they are sometimes um so um so that's how it works and that's all you need to do is just tap on these points i'm going to say some words and um you just repeat them and if you're in a public space and you don't want to then just say them under your breath or silently but if you can say them out loud great um i'm going to keep it quite broad and simple but obviously this is high level because it's i'm not I haven't got a client right in front of me, but we obviously do go a lot deeper when I see people one-to-one and a lot more specific. So um, obviously if there's major abuse, um, domestic abuse or any any abuse really, but especially if it's been physical or deep um, uh, emotional abuse, I'd say just be wary, just be sort of protect yourself. And anyone, um, this is very, very, very unlikely, but if anyone has what we call an ab reaction where you feel worse afterwards, not better, please, please, please reach out to me. I can jump on Zoom with you and we can sort it out really easily. But that's kind of like my, my safety valve. It shouldn't happen, but just, it's happened to me once with one client and it and it um, in a presentation. We solved it really, really brilliantly, very quickly. Um, so all I'd ask you to do, shall, shall I get started, Susie? Yeah, I'm going to move you onto the full screen, so I'll mute myself okay. so you won't hear me repeating what you say. Cool, lovely. Awesome. And I love the music in the background too. Um, So what I'd like you to do is just close your eyes and take some really nice deep breaths. And I'm just going to um, put my phone up here so I know how much time I've got. Start my stopwatch. Brilliant. Okay, so um, close your eyes, put your hand on your heart. You might want to put it on your belly and just take some really nice deep breaths. See how, sort of tune into your body, where are you feeling any stress? You might be feeling it in your stomach, you might be feeling a bit sick, you might feel your throat close up. When we're shut down and we, we're kind of like told to be quiet, we can't speak our truth, then that's often, so I'm just having problems with my microphone, 
there we go that's often a signal of um of literally not being able to speak our truth of being shut down which is obviously a huge thing for us when we're going through a divorce and separation so i just want you to acknowledge any feelings that are there any physical feelings any emotions some of you might already be getting a bit teary if you're not that's fine too um and just think okay these emotions that i'm feeling when you think of your divorce past present or future um words like betrayal lies the fear the disempowerment the embarrassment the grief the shame confusion feeling really stupid might just be utter disbelief and I want you to just kind of like wrap those up and give them a rating between 0 to 10 in terms of how intense they are so 10 massively intense and I'm like I want to burst into tears this is awful and don't worry because we didn't get that down we're going to get that right down okay so we're just going to start tapping on the points and tapping on the eyebrow to start with so I'll say the words and you just repeat them after me and if they don't if they sound too strong just go with it if they don't sound real that's fine if the words are really not right then just replace them with whatever is in your head okay so on the eyebrow tapping on the eyebrow all this betrayal outside of the eye all these lies so you repeat all these lies and by the way if they're your lies or your betrayal there's absolutely no judgment here it's fine so this will work for that too we haven't even got onto infidelity but that might be a part of it so acknowledge that if it is under the nose all this fear on the chin what's going to happen to me on the collarbone I'm so scared top of the head all this disempowerment on the eyebrow I feel so stupid outside of the eye I feel almost childlike under the eye it's reminding me of being a scared child under the nose of not being able to speak my truth on the chin all this confusion on the collarbone all this disbelief top of the head how can this even be happening I just don't know on the eyebrow all this grief I'm feeling And that's a really strong word so just when you say that just really feel into where you're feeling it this tightness in my chest you just say what's true for you this heaviness in my stomach my beating heart on the chin 
I feel hot and sweaty on the collarbone. <clears throat> My brain feels like cotton wool. Top of the head. This sadness weighs so heavy on my heart. On the eyebrow, all this anger. I can't believe I've forgotten about the anger. <laughs> Maybe that's because I don't feel it anymore. Most of the time. <laughs> Outside of the eye. I'm so angry. Or maybe I'm just too tired to be angry. I'm exhausted with this. All this guilt and shame. I totally honor that this is what I'm feeling. I totally honor all these emotions. I honour all these physical sensations and I'm open to letting them go. I'm open to releasing even a fraction of them. I can breathe more deeply. Breathing in self-belief. Sorry, I haven't been saying the points on the collarbone. Breathing out fear. Top of the head. I soothe and comfort myself as I breathe in. Eyebrow. I release all this fear as I breathe out. In the eyebrow. Outside of the eye, sorry. I'm letting as much of this go as I can under the eye. In this short time I'm giving myself under the nose. I'm honoring and letting go as much as I can on the chin without any pressure on the collarbone. Breathing in self-forgiveness. Top of the head. Breathing out this disempowerment. On the eyebrow. Letting this go from every part of my body. Outside of the eye. Letting this go from all my joints and ligaments. Under the eye. Letting this go from every organ in my body, every muscle, every bone, under the nose. It feels really good to let this go. I breathe in more deeply and I breathe out any remaining emotions. Top of the head feeling a warm blanket of empathy and forgiveness wrapping around myself. In the eyebrow. A beam of sunlight shining down on me. Giving me trust outside of the eye, giving me trust in the process. Under the eye, trust in myself. 
under the nose. My kids and I will be okay. I'm safe and I'm strong. We're safe and we're strong. On the top of the head. We're safe and we're okay. Okay, everyone put your hand on your heart. Take a nice deep breath. And I want you just again, close your eyes, feel into your body, feel into your emotions. And you might need to keep tapping, just keep going round and round and just keep on releasing, keep verbalizing what you're feeling. But that might be enough for you. Um, rate how you're feeling now on a scale of naught to 10. Hopefully it's gone down, it should have done. <laughs> if it hasn't, you've got to contact me and I will help. Um, but hopefully that's just shown you just in 10 minutes, how we can shift these emotions, shift these physical feelings. The mind-body connection is so powerful. And when you're going through something like this, you've got to look after your emotions, to look after your physical health. You've got to look after your physical health in order to do the best job of looking after your emotions. And this just bridges that gap so beautifully and helps everything join up. So I hope you found that calming. I hope you found that useful. I'd love to get any feedback. Um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to give my little um, spiel here or if Susie comes back on. Um, I'm come back on only because we have to end the show because we go over, I it won't fit uh, various slots that I've got for it. Thank you so much for that. That was lovely. I've got lots of pink spots all over me where I was tapping away wildly. Um, you can get more information from the the links that wherever this is, is going to be showing by the morning. Um, I'm sure you'll find that there will be links to more information about the tapping EFT that you'll be able to access. So on the battlefield of family separation in the war of divorce, always, always make peace your weapon of choice. <laughs>